in a minute, you're going to hear a conversation with a true Sonic pioneer. And all things Sonic is at the heart of what this show's sponsors are all about. Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio-Technica. Audio-Technica are a global but still family-run company that make headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones. They make studio-quality yet affordable products because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible to all. So head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Welcome to Lost and Sound. I'm Paul Hampford. I'm your host. I'm a writer, an author, a university lecturer, and a former DJ based in Berlin, where I'm speaking to you now from. And this is the show where each episode I have conversations with the musical innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing. And we talk about music, creativity, life, the things that inspire us to make the things that we make. Previous guests have included Peaches, Suzanne Chiani, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Hani Rani, Ghost Poet, Cozy Funny, Tutti, Graham Coxon, Mickey Blanco, and Thurston Moore. And today on the show, composer, performer, electronic innovator, cultural ambassador, Jean-Michel Jarre. And my book, Coming to Berlin, is available in all good bookshops or via the publisher's website. The publisher is Velocity Press. And yeah, so yeah, this is, I'm majorly excited about this one. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about all episodes I've put out, but this one, Jean-Michel Jarre, he's been hailed as the godfather of electronic music. He's one of the first artists to take electronic music back in the 70s into the realms of popular culture alongside other visionaries like Kraftwerk, Tangerine Dream, Wendy Carlos, Suzanne Chiani and Giorgio Moroder. Beforehand, before this, I feel, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of how I feel and interpret things, that electronic music before these pioneers of the 70s was really more the preserve of, of academia, of, of the avant-garde, of composition, I mean, obviously, electronic elements were in, in pop music and, and there were some electronic novelty hits. But the idea of making purely synthesized or largely synthesized synthetic electronic music was just like radically new. And Jean-Michel Jarre first came to prominence with the 1976 album Oxygen, uh, which went on to sell 18 million copies worldwide. Um, a truly cultural 
pop culture moment. Um, he's gone on to sell 80 million records worldwide since then, at least. He's known for his huge, spectacular audiovisual live events. Uh, he's a three times Guinness World Record holder for the largest outdoor performances. These include a Y2K Millennium performance at the Pyramids in Cairo, being the first Western live act in post-Mao China, uh, playing to 3.5 million people in Moscow in 1997. He's been honoured with the Stephen Hawking Medal for Science Communication. He's collaborated with Edward Snowden. The list goes on. Um, he's we only had a really short window of time to chat for this this interview. Um, the reason being, he was on a press junket that day, doing one interview after another. He's promoting two new albums, Oxymore, which is out now. It's an 11-track album. It's a tribute to one of his major influences, Pierre Henry, one of the foundational 20th century giants of electronic music. And... A, a kind of companion album, a kind of remix, rework club album, if you like, called Oxymore Works, which is out on November the 3rd, uh, which is a collection of collaborations of tracks from Oxymore, where he's collaborated with people like Brian Eno, Martin Gore, Armin Van Buren. Really, really, really good stuff. Um, so, yes, we had a very, very short window of time to chat. Um, and this is what happened. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Uh, are you having a good day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, quite a busy one, but um, pleasure talking to you, Paul. <laughs> you too as well. So over a 50-year career, you've always placed a sense of the future centrally in your work, whether that's in innovative concepts or just being at the heart of what you do. And I wanted to ask you, why for you has it been so important and central in your work to always look to the future to place this high in your work? Uh, I could answer uh, with one word. Uh, the word would be curiosity. Uh, the, I'm not necessarily obsessed by the future, but but by a bit, but but more interested by. Uh, I'm not into nostalgia that much. Mm. I'm more and more, uh, and I'm not particularly interested by what I've done, because what I've done, I've I've, I've done it, and I've no control with with it. As it's almost a cliche to 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 say it. Uh, and then uh, I, uh, I think it's a privilege, and it's a. To to uh, to have this kind of uh, fresh curiosity in, in in front of everything, I think that I, I have that from uh, thank you to to my mom probably and to also my grandfather was a an engineer, a musician, and an inventor always trying to think about new new ideas and and probably uh, it's um, it's worked uh, on the level of uh, chromosomes in my family maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah and and so when you say it's always about you know like this thing of not looking back and not nostalgia when when you finish an album um do you feel like as soon as it's out is it is it like do you reflect on it or or are you moving forward at that point yeah i think that um i'm restarting an album when i have um an idea of the the the, the overall concept i'm not a kind of artist starting a uh, an album with one song and then uh, and then another song and then uh, after a while I say okay I have the right amount of songs to do an album I uh, always thought uh, uh, in terms of an album like uh, like a book like a novel or like a, like a movie where there is an, an 
there is an, an overall concept around it. And, and for instance, for Oxymore, the, the, the album from which Oxymor works is, uh, is, uh, has been done as an extension. It was really this idea of uh, paying tribute, for instance, to, uh, the, the roots of, uh, and the history of the French electronic music. Mm. And also the, the, the idea also of, uh, conceiving after COVID, we have been really involved in, uh, in, uh, VR and immersive, uh, mode of expressions, uh, trying to conceive an, an album structured from scratch and, and, uh, mm. and from scratch in, uh, in 360 and not, uh, it's, it's interesting to see actually that, uh, for decades we had a, a frontal relationship with music. When you when you compose for a uh, symphonic orchestra, you have the orchestra in front of you. When when you when you are in studio, you have the speakers in front of you. When you are in the concert hall, you have the PA systems in front of you. So you have this kind of uh, frontal relationship for the musician and for the audience. And which is ironic is actually uh, the irony is actually in a, in our day to day life, sounds are all around your head, mm. and uh, in in a sense. Because of technology and uh, munitions have been limited in 2D, like a painter in front of his canvas. We did masterpieces with that, of course, but, mm. but actually, suddenly technology is allowing us to, uh, uh, to be inside the music for the composer as well as for the audience. Mm. So it's a, for instance, uh, 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 and then that that was well, that was really the begin the 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 starting point of uh, Oxymore, the, the the album I, I released a few months ago. That's really interesting what you're saying, actually, because I think in non-Western musics the, um, and and things like folk music as well, the, there's always been more this idea that you're always around the music, that music is part of life, and I think some of the aspects of like Pierre Henry's work which you took from was more about like like this about the immersion that is taking sounds from everyday life and and what was so significant to you in your life about Pierre Henry as well when did when did you first discover his work and what did it mean to you you know when uh, when i was a kid my 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 grandfather was a, a very important to me was a Playing the oboe, he was an engineer, an inventor. He created one of the invented one of the first mixing desk uh, in in France, and also the ancestor of the iPod, the the, the turntable with ba- built-in batteries, where you could go to for picnic, listen to Edith Piaf or Chet Baker, and uh, and then for my tenth birthday, he offered me a second-hand German tape recorder, and I became totally obsessed by this machine, recording everything all the time. And one day, I I played the the, the tape backwards, and I thought that aliens were talking to me. And I re- I suddenly become really involved in the idea of processing sounds. I was playing in small rock bands and mm-hmm. processing the sound of my guitar, organs, and 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 things. And uh, and then uh, the drummer. Would, his father was talking. Was working in the, the equivalent of the French BBC, Radio France. Mm-hmm. He said, "Ah, you know, there is a laboratory, a center somewhere where people are doing the same kind of things, and and that was uh, the laboratory where Pierre Schaeffer, Pierre Henry were were involved. The group de recherche musicale, music research center, where actually started this idea of uh, uh, integrating." noises and sounds into orchestral sounds and music mm. and uh, and this oxymor project was actually a, a tribute to this uh, fundamental uh, moment in the history of music 
who, who, I mean, these guys really invented the way we are doing music these days by, mm. by uh, saying, okay, we can, in a rather surrealistic, surrealistic way, by saying, okay, we can mix the sound of a bird with a clarinet or the sound of a washing machine with the percussions. And, mm. and that was totally, totally surrealistic in those days. But now, they, they actually, in the, back in the uh, 1940s, they defined mm. the grammar of the, of the way we're doing music these days by everybody in hip-hop, uh, electro, pop, or whatever. Mm. We are all injecting and integrating some uh, noises, sounds, white noises, or whatever in our, in our music. Mm. And so, so this album was kind of a tribute to that, was it? Yeah, it was a tribute, and also on a personal level, I was for one of my previous album called Electronica. We, we had the project to work in collaboration with with together with Pierre, and then he he got ill, he passed away, and it never mm. happened. And then I I got the surprise to get uh, uh, his family and his wife, his widow. I mean, the, say that uh, he left some uh, sounds for me to use maybe one day. And mm. uh, I said that for Oximo, it could be interesting to uh, to use some of his sounds. Actually, by the end of the day, I, I didn't use so many sounds of him. Maybe it's maybe four or four, five percent of, of his sounds in uh, in in the album. But uh, the album has been heavily involved by, by this period, mm. by this approach of, uh, I mean, getting raw sounds. I mean, what was the, 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 the beginning of sampling, really, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. And then, and then with the with the reworks album as well, with the collaborations on that, um, how how did you how did you approach that creatively? Because I I kind of get the sense this wasn't just giving people remixes to do. You were working with the artists. How did that? How did you pick the artists, and how did that come about? So um, it was a fairly different process than uh, for Electronica, where I I wanted to collaborate physically in the same studio with. Uh, with people, in the fact, uh, in the case of um, uh, Oxymory Works, uh, that uh, was for me to, to uh, contact some people I, I respect and I love to to mm -hmm. ask them to create a kind of extension of this idea of this uh, kind of uh, tribute to uh, this uh, early days of uh, electronic music and, and French electronic music. This is the reason why I really asked uh, so lots of. Uh, uh, Total the different uh, artists from the uh, different electronic music field, from uh, Martin Gore to Brian Eno to Armin van Buren, mm -hmm. to also young French acts also, uh, because also the link with France was uh, was also part of the project, and and to try to to uh, to ask them to to actually uh, pay, pick one track and doing whatever they want. It was not like a remix for a specific. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, need or marketing need or whatever. It was more to to say okay, uh, I mean, create an extension of the original idea more. Mm. And that must have been quite exciting because you know, I mean, you've been making electronic music for so long, but to 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 kind of see the results of people that have kind of come up along the timeline since as well. You know, was, was there anyone on the album that you were really really excited to work with? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's. Uh, it's you know it's it's interesting because electronic music uh, uh, the work of electronic musicians is like a writer of a painter in your mm. in his his or her own atelier and uh, to open the window sometime or the the door and to try to connect with uh, pals and colleagues is always uh, refreshing 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that description of it. And it is kind of like architecture as well, isn't it? You're taking exactly. pieces away and putting pieces in. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, actually, if I would not been a, a musician, I would have been an architect. I think there is a lot of connection, as we know, between music and architecture. Yeah. And, and do you feel, do you experience sound in a visual way then as well? Yes, I always... Um, I always uh, uh, approach my music like uh, a kind of soundtrack of the story of the of the movie mm. that the audience could create by listening to my sounds, and uh, in that sense, I think uh, I have uh, and also I involved at a very early stage some visuals for my performances because I think it was part of uh, the DNA of the music I'm doing. Probably, mm. I mean. And, and if you don't mind me asking, going back along your timeline as well, you, you were really one of the first artists that I'd say, along with Kraftwerk, maybe Tangerine Dream and Wendy Carlos as well, that took these kind of avant-garde electronic techniques into the realm of popular culture. Um, but at that time, you know, like at the time of like Oxygen uh, being such a success, um, did you feel like you were understood by people or did you did you face resistance from people going like, what what are you doing with, you know, where are the guitars? Where Where's the kind of conventional motifs? Oh, oh yeah, of course, because, you know, it's very interesting to see that every emerging styles have been rejected by the, the previous establishment. It was mm. the case for the beginning of jazz by classical musicians. It was the case for the uh, early days of rock uh, in, uh, with jazz men. And the mm. same, ironically, with uh, the, the early days of electronic music, even with the rock, the establishment of rock, saying, well, what are these guys playing? I mean, music is playing guitars and, and bass and drums. And what, what are these black box with knobs? I mean, these people are just uh, yeah. making, uh, uh, they, should, they should work into uh, broadcast, broadcast radio stations, but not, not, uh, not being on stage. So, you know, uh, so, and, and Oxygen, even Oxygen has been rejected by almost all record companies and only a, a small label took it as a, and uh, I remember that the first copies, some some copies were going back to the record company because they thought that uh, the the vinyl had a problem because the oxygen was starting with this thing of wind, white noise mm. starting, and they thought that uh, some technical pro issues were were uh, on their were existing on their own copies. <laughs> That's so funny, and it, it's also kind of funny because oxygen uh, came out in 1976, and this was exactly when punk was going on. But punk was so conventional in a lot of ways. Like in some ways, I feel like what you were doing and what like Kraftwerk were doing was truly rebellious. Like, did you feel like a rebel at the time? It's a very interesting question because Paul, because uh, you know, when I was uh, uh, when I was a teenager, I was going to. Um, 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 the Olympia, a whole uh, venue in Paris, quite famous, mm -hmm. uh, where, where you had until three, four o'clock in the morning at that time, uh, lots of uh, progressive British rock bands mm -hmm. going such as Soft Machine and uh, the early days of, of uh, prog rock. And uh, I said, you know, I was telling, telling to, to myself that, uh, I mean, this is the revolution of my generation mm -hmm. and the generation to come. But in a sense, it's not my my revolution because my it's an Anglo-Saxon revolution, and uh, as a, as a as a French rebel, it was during the student revolution when suddenly I I discovered electronic music. This is what I want to do because this is mm. this is my my own rebellion field. 
<laughs> and uh, and and uh, and I was quite uh, happy that some uh, rock artists and even because I was playing in rock bands were not understanding, say, rejecting what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a sense, uh, I was almost reassured by the fact that I was following the right way f- for me. Yeah, that that's that's quite brave as well, isn't it? Because I feel like. Um you know to be able to kind of know that some people that don't like you your work is a barometer that you're doing the right thing <laughs> you know it's what jean cocteau the french writer said uh, <clears throat> what uh, what people don't don't like in you do it because it's yourself you know <laughs> yeah. and do you still feel like the rebel now rebel i don't know but actually i still feel for sure as a beginner i always start every project as with the same uh, feeling as a beginner Probably because I I, I try to uh, to explore different fields. I'm not into nostalgia, mm. and uh, I'm not try- I'm not even if I think a, an artist is uh, more than he thinks repeating himself. I, I love to uh, experiment new ways, new directions, like like it is for instance at the moment with immersive sounds, with uh, mm. with uh, VR, with AI. I mean, all these new uh, uh, technological uh, uh, tools. Are, uh, I think uh, opportunities to create in, in, in a different way and, and uh, to keep the excitement uh, fresh. Mm. And do you um, do you feel like be making electronic music for the rest of your life, or do you do you feel like that there's going to be a point where you think, okay, that I've said what I've going to say, or do you do you feel like there's always going to be some sense of inspiration? I'm. I'm. Sh- I think that uh, young artists are. are they don't, maybe they don't realize it, but they are. They are very lucky to live in in uh, these days because so many, so many doors are opening with uh, and so many possibilities with the uh, emergence of uh, immersive worlds, metaverse. Mm. Uh, for instance, in metaverse, everybody is talking about visual and obsessed by by visual environments. But we forget that the visual field is only 140 degrees, where the audio field is 360 mm-hmm. degrees. So sound and music are uh, are going to be m- more than ever at the center of our um, creative process in the, in the in the future, for instance. So uh, no, I'm, 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 I think that uh, as artists, some artists are not are not feeling the same. Way, but mm. uh, when you are your body is able to carry you and you have the curiosity being fresh, I I I'm not uh, even asking myself if I would stop or not. I stopped sometimes in my in my life because suddenly I felt uh, dry. I felt uh, mm. I had no inspiration and and but it's not linked to uh, age or to time. It's just a matter of uh, period in your life probably. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a really nice philosophy for anyone to take on, I think, in any kind of walk of life as well, isn't it? I think the other principle is actually to, uh, at uh, as early as possible, to realize that uh, uh, success as failures are accidents, because mm. your life is in the, in the, in the middle. Mm. And this, the sinusoid, I mean, the top or the, or the bottom of the sinusoid are accidents. Mm-hmm. And then you have to to deal with this. And uh, uh, life as an artist is to to. And also, you know, artists are, are very selfish. I mean, you do music, or you do what you do, or you do uh, uh, writing or movie. First of all, for for yourself. Mm. And and then if it's uh, if it's uh, 
And of course, it's it's great when uh, when the audience is following what you're doing. But uh, otherwise, uh, uh, if you, if you start to to think about pleasing the audience, I think you're in a sense you're dead. As as a, I mean, you're, you're killing your creative process. Yeah. So it, I think a lot about like this and this sort of second guessing other people's reactions can be really really harmful and have there ever been times in your life where you felt that you've started to sort of do that yourself no but i give you an example for mm. oxymory works you have a really extreme noisy tracks so of mm. course for fans who are hoping that i'm going to repeat oxygen they are not only destabilized but i think they are they are shocked that <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they become angry you know mm. and uh but you know I, frankly i don't care because actually you know it's uh, i i I'm, I'm i think that this this uh, uh oxymory works is, a, is an extension of my work and i mm. i i uh, i like the fact that people are twisting and hijacking what i'm doing in a in mm. an unexpected way and and people understand the fact that people understand it or not is uh, is not the issue i mean uh, the issue is uh, is actually to to continue to explore and to be excited by projects what i do and i think uh, uh, the audience is following or not and sometimes less sometimes more and this is uh, the life of an artist not yeah. only these days but i think uh, 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 through through uh, through time yeah definitely um jean michel Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I know you've got a super busy schedule, so I really appreciate you uh, making time. Absolutely. To to Thank you very much, Paul, and uh, talk to you uh, another time with pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 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 Okay. So that was me, Paul Hamford, chatting with Jean-Michel Jarre for Lost and Sound podcast. Thank you so much, Jean-Michel Jarre, for, for those words. Thank you so much. And I would like to say as well that he is 75 years old, and I have to say, uh, he is the youngest 75-year-old I've ever, ever, ever met. A few years back, interviewed Michael Rotter for the show, and I think he's like in his early 70s, and he's really, really, really young as well. Suzanne Chiani is also incredibly young age. So I started wondering, is there something about electronic music that just keeps people really, really, really young? Um, maybe that is, you know, maybe you can scrap all your kind of well-being stuff and just make electronic music and that's what keeps you young. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Oxymore, Jean-Michel Jarre's 22nd studio album is out now and Oxymore Works, the collab album, is out this Friday, November the 3rd. Lost and Sound is proudly sponsored by audio technica audio technica a global but still family-run company that make headphones turntables cartridges microphones studio quality yet affordable products because they believe that high quality audio should be accessible to all so head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff i use their products i love them genuinely i'm did the interview you heard using an at2020 usb mic just plugs right into your laptop even someone who's completely rubbish with technical stuff like me can use it it's great um the music that you hear at the beginning of the end of every episode of lost and sound oh there's a bit of a bit of a car bp sound there um the music you hear at the beginning of the end of every episode of lost and sound is by thomas giddens uh link to his work in the podcast description and thank you so much for listening i hope whatever you're doing today tonight 
you are having a lovely one uh chat to you soon